Alrighty, welcome back to Zupi the Autotelic Mindset Podcast here. I'm with Brett Himmelman. Hopefully I didn't butcher that. Took me a couple uh, tries. You, you, you did great. Ho- hockey announcers uh, <laughs> across the province have done a lot of work, so that was perfect. Okay, perfect. I'm in the clear. Okay, so Canadian National Canoe Team athlete. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Just kind of going through uh, your background. It looks like the last year you've made some a lot of good uh, progress and put up a lot of good... Um, I don't want to say, what do you want to say, scores or um, outcomes? I guess you put it, uh, bring back some hardware for Team Canada. So it's good to um, see that and have you on board here. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a pretty, uh, been a pretty great year. I mean, uh, some people might have called this season kind of a breakout year. For me, it was just a really fun summer. So uh, having, uh, having the top competitions of the year, like in, uh, in my backyard at home, it was pretty cool, but I also got to do some cool travel this year and the, I've had a, a lot of success kind of everywhere I race this year, which uh, which is quite awesome because it's been uh, quite a few roller coaster years the last uh, last few years. So I mean, it's a especially in an individual sport where like our margins can be like razor thin, where you can be uh, a second away from making a team and a second away from being disappointed. And it's, uh, uh, but uh, it seems like a lot went right this year. So <laughs> that's good. And when you're enjoying yourself, things usually uh, tend to go fall your way more than not um usually the case right so i kind of like what you're saying here talking about canoeing and you know coming down to seconds uh but looking kind of back at your history I i know you came uh come from a hockey lacrosse background a team sport a lot different than uh canoeing i could imagine which i'm very excited to get into one i love talking to these athletes olympian national team members because i had to learn about sports uh, different sports, uh, but seeing lacrosse, hockey, that's more my background, so it kind of perked my attention. Uh, so I'm very excited to kind of compare and contrast uh, with you about the two sports, a team sport versus more of an individual sport, um, which I'm excited to hear You know your journey, uh, your opinion, and your advice and strategies that you have uh, between the two. Uh, nonetheless, let's, let's kind of Pick me up to speed here and how does how you came like talk about your athletic career and then how it kind of weaved into uh canoeing if you don't mind yeah of course so uh, i didn't start paddling till like really late action like i started when i was 15 years old with where most people usually start around like 10 11 12 um like most paddling clubs they have like a an under 10 and under 12 and under 14 program so i didn't start till i was 15 years old and they uh there was like a bit of an age change where like they had like u11 u13 u15 so the age i actually started in the sport um there wouldn't even be a summer program today anymore um for 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 my sport which is kind of crazy but uh like I played hockey from when I was like four years uh, old on like my dad was a university hockey player uh out uh, for, for St. Mary's and um same with my uh, my great-grandfather um and then I started playing lacrosse when I was like eight years old but I played like a lot of like sports growing up like I was really big in the cross-country running uh for a while too but um uh being good at cross-country running being very like small skinny and lanky really didn't help me uh, when it came to the uh, contact sports I think uh, I was the smallest player on my hockey team every year until I reached about grade 12 um, and uh, the only reason was that was because I was probably two years older than the, the youngest guys in the team so 
Uh, I was always a, a bit of an undersized athlete, uh, but my uh, grampy um, uh, just dropped me off at uh, Masco Aquatic Club uh, over on Kearney Lake, which is uh, which is right by where he lived, and was about fifteen minutes from my uh, place. But it was uh, it was one of his uh, like tavern drinking buddies that uh, had a uh, like a son and a daughter that uh, both like raced for Team Canada at the junior level. Um, and said like, oh yeah, get Brett in the paddling. Like he'll put on some muscle, he put on some size. He'll be working out all day every day. Um, cause like kind of when, when you're that age, like a lot of people are like training for hockey, they're like in the gym and, and whatnot and, uh, doing a lot of like off ice training as well as on ice. And, uh, paddling was a really good way for me to, uh, try and bulk up and get some size. Like I looked at the, when I first started the sport, I looked at the Mark DeYoung who, uh, uh, at the time, the year before he was an Olympic bronze medalist. And then that year, my first year in 2013, he uh, won a silver at the world's that year. You look at the size of him and I was like, holy crap, if I could get half the pipes of him, like I'd be, uh, I'd be a menace on the ice. Um, <laughs> But um, I, I fell into love in the sport right there, like being outside every day, like I met a lot of really good friends in the sport. And that really kind of like kept me interested and engaged and uh, just being able to see myself progress uh, so much so early, like, um, like starting off, like just being able to stay up in a boat was a big deal for me. And then uh, like when I first started uh, canoeing in that fall, like that first summer, I was doing a bit of kayaking, paddling on both sides, kind of messing around like the, the summer program kids that uh, I coached for years and years and years. Um, uh, I, I don't think I was, uh, was too rambunctious as a summer program kid, but um, I know I definitely, uh, definitely like to, to try everything, but uh, for me, like, uh, just being able to, like, set goals every single week, like, oh, my goal is to get to this dock, to this dock without falling in, or let's uh, try and make it to this end of the lake, but it was really challenging at 15 years old when everybody paddling in the fall your age was doing loops around the lake, like, some of them even went to nationals at that point, like, race the singles at nationals, and I was like, that seemed like such a daunting task for me because I couldn't even stay up in a boat um, my first few months, but um like that year like uh, that first year like I set a goal I was like okay I want to race in like my singles boat at nationals that year and ended up going to uh, a Florida camp uh, after only being in a canoe for probably about two months that fall um I was somehow able to uh, convince my parents to be like oh yeah like let me go to a, a three-week Florida camp and all this stuff like I'll make it like my Christmas and my birthday gift and like I don't know instead of getting the Easter chocolates you can put the money towards that and uh, my uh, my coach is like it's usually like unorthodox for coaches to let um, uh, an athlete who hasn't been in the high performance program for uh, over a year um, uh, if not like multiple years to go to Florida um, it was, I was kind of an exception there and uh, it was just I, I just being around national team members in that first Florida camp like you had the Canadian team you had the Swedish team um, you had like a bunch of um, like countries and teams, provincial teams, national teams, all there, uh, all training on the same body of water. And I was like, whoa, like this is, this is really cool. I think there's more opportunity in this sport than uh, I could have possibly imagined. Yeah, it's cool. I like, like, yeah, like you said, lacrosse and hockey are so uh, mainstream, but there's lots of sports out there and it just takes uh, someone say, you know, go try this or what do you think of that to kind of get involved. And I think some of these sports are bigger than what we sometimes know of just because they're not mainstream um yeah. 
But my- in, in Nova Scotia here, like, uh, especially in, in Dartmouth, like, we got nine canoe clubs in, like, Halifax Regional Municipality alone. Uh, like, in Dartmouth, it's almost every kid growing up in Dartmouth, um, like, learns how, learns how to paddle. And, uh, but you see so many people, either they um, have to quit paddling for hockey or um, quit hockey for paddling. Uh, you see that happens quite a bit. Um, I ended up playing three sports for the longest time. Uh, I played uh, I played high school hockey right uh, and then as well as uh, junior lacrosse. Um, I played uh, five years of university lacrosse as well. I was I played university lacrosse up until last year, and uh, even played a year of uh, junior B hockey while I was still paddling. The year year after I went to World Cups, I ended up playing junior hockey the following year after that. Um, after after a couple of years off, uh, played in the small town Liverpool. Absolutely loved playing there. It was uh, it gave me uh, a reason to absolutely love Saturdays, just going down there playing for a small town. It was a blast, but. Um, definitely, uh, some, some people use like, uh, like need outlets to kind of recover and get a break from paddling because really the sport can consume you when you're, you're training like 15 to 20 times a day, like you're on the water, uh, 10 times a week, you're in the gym three times, you're doing like three to four other like cross training activities. Um, some people might've said I might've been the crazy one to you play other sports as my, my outlet and as my break for paddling, but um, I absolutely love the aspect of like team sports, like, um, just, just, it's a different kind of pressure. Like it's a pressure to perform as a team and not as an individual, like, um, like when you're, you're training in an individual sport, a lot of times, like I always felt like I had a lot of, a lot of profess, uh, pressure to perform each practice and, uh, in a team sport environment, um, I really felt like I just, uh, had to, all I have to do is like focus, do my job. Uh, you don't have to do any more, but make sure that you're not doing any less and, uh, be a valuable member of this team. You've touched on a couple things with this next question I'm going to ask you. Um, and what I, it gets brought up quite a bit is sports specialization. Like you said, um, the canoeing and the demand that you're talking about on the water, in the gym, um, and everything else that goes with it. And I kind of see, I, I think I know where you're kind of going to go with this just based on what you've been saying, but especially now with regards to the elite level is so elite and they see it's so hard to get there that you, I think you see more kids, I could be wrong, but being very, very sports specific earlier on just because of what we kind of know now and how we train and our bodies in the gym uh, and in their sports. So I, whereas myself growing up, I was kind of like you, I did, you know, hockey in the uh, winter, soccer in the summer, uh, you know, judo throughout the year, I was doing a bunch of sports, which I think helped everything all together, just kind of like what you're kind of saying here, but what are your kind of thoughts on what you see now with regards to kids and sport being sports specific earlier on versus maybe you know, doing multiple sports, as long as you can maintain a balanced, healthy, uh, and able to do uh, all that you're hoping to do. What's kind of your, your thoughts and takes on that and what you're seeing in the sports industry? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're starting to see like a lot more, like you're starting to see like players on the ice, like 12, 12 months of the year. You're seeing like people that are uh, like uh, like kids. Like um, I, I think a lot of people forget that these people are, are kids. Like I, I personally believe that there's no such thing as in an elite athlete, 12 year old or 13 year old, like they're still kids at that point. 
Um, so like trying to like have them hyper-focused on one singular sport um, at that age um, almost certainly will lead to like a burnout. And um, I mean, for, for me, like playing multiple sports was re really important for me, um, not just um, to like develop um like physical skills and and whatnot but also to like develop like they get like multiple approaches um like that you, you learn everything from different sports um like i learned uh stuff from hockey and lacrosse that i use from paddling today and just i i think when people are so hyper focused in one environment um if something is off of that environment uh like it it can, it can really take over your whole life uh it's very important to have that kind of balance um like there obviously becomes a certain age when um you can't do both sports at in the highest level that you're able to do um like for me like i knew that i wasn't going to play um like university lacrosse in the states or i was going to play um like any sort of like high level junior hockey I mean I still ended up playing university lacrosse in, in Canada and still played a year of junior B but um I also knew that paddling was my my a sport that that was a sport that um like I'm I'm training for that's the sport that my my goals are in but um it's really really hard to have like high level top goals uh when you get to like a, whether it's 17 18 like um for for two high level sports um i know a lot of kids get to the age where they have to choose between doing uh, major midget hockey or training full-time for paddling because both those schedules uh they're highly demanding schedules and not just for the uh, kids themselves but also for the parents too like I uh, I think my parents were more excited that I got my license um, than uh, than I was because they were like oh yeah you can drive yourself to six in the morning practice <laughs> you can you can you can do all all these sports in the world you can you can go play uh, hockey lacrosse and you can go paddle but yeah you gotta drive yourself to all of them and, uh, you gotta you gotta pay your pay your share for the for them too so um <laughs> Like, especially like, um, like at, at that kind of crossroads age, like when you're 15 years old, you, you can't be, especially if you have uh, like a family with, uh, with like multiple kids in sports, it, it can be tough to, to run, run them all around everywhere. But um, I mean, it, it gets to a point where um, like, I, I think that athletes really need to think about, okay, like, what, what are what are my goals that I'm trying to get out of this and um, are these goals like attainable and like re re realistic like um, not every kid is going to go to the NHL like I knew that I wasn't going to play any major junior hockey or um, I wasn't going to uh, like pursue pursue hockey at that level um, like I was trying to do at a younger age. Uh, but I knew that I had a um, real opportunity here in paddling to do some special things. And I, um, I had goals like when I was in uh, high school that I wanted to uh, represent Team Canada and I wanted to uh, win medals at Canada Games. And those were goals that I saw myself visioning in the future. But um, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm a real big, like, like, I guess, supporter of uh, like multi-sport, like I got a, I got a younger cousin, uh, right now who, um, is a very talented elite level paddler. Like she's, she's 16 years old. Uh, she's also extremely high level in volleyball and paddling. Like she was, 
Uh, she won a lot of medals at nationals this past year. And uh, she's also one of the top volleyball players uh, in Nova Scotia, but she's able to do both sports at the high level at the age she is. And uh, she's also very lucky to have incredibly supportive parents um, that will help her pursue both passions, but eventually she will have uh, a time. It might not be next year or the year after where she's going to have to decide, okay, do I want to play uh, university uh, volleyball at a high level or do I want to try and make the national team for canoeing? But um, that's not a, a choice that needs to be forced on kids and athletes at such an early age. Like there's no reason why a 13 year old uh, would need to uh, quit hockey for for paddling training. Like there's a way you can make the schedules flexible for for both of them. Uh, that works for both the kid and the parent. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying there. And I always tell. I know. I mean, a lot of athletes, like you said, when you get to a certain age, eventually you have to make that choice just with the demand. And I'm like, I like, I don't envy those kids when they have to make that decision because you know sometimes it's a coin flip, really, right? Because you're like you said, if you're at certain level for both and go either way like it's a tough decision but I think I always say that's part of the journey part of the process and wherever you end up and you look back at those decisions you're like you know I'm I'm happy I went this way or I'm glad it worked out this way even though those are some of the tough decisions you have to make um along the way uh saying saying that with regards to you because you started canoeing around the age of 15 you said um and then playing university lacrosse when did it actually cross your mind that okay I want to take canoeing like seriously to the national uh level when when did your mindset say okay like, this is going to be my sport uh I'm going to be fully committed yeah so the switch really flipped for me when I was at uh it was my third Florida camp at the time and uh, I got an email in February that uh, based on my results from the previous year that uh, I've been selected to race for Team Canada at a competition in Mexico. And uh, it wasn't uh, like something that I kind of knew that uh, I was in the running for the selection for. Like I got the email and I was like, oh my God, like, um, am I really going to wear a Canada jersey uh, this year? And it was kind of before, like you, it's, it, it was a bit of an unorthodox competition as it was in early May and they normally uh, selection for junior events is at the end of June. Uh, so they ended up uh, picking, the, instead of doing like an early like May selection uh, where a lot of uh, athletes um, haven't been on the water for very long yet, um, they, uh, at, at the junior level, they don't want, uh, I mean, kids are still in high school and uh, you can't uh, take 12, 12 weeks off like senior athletes do to prepare for senior trials uh, in high school that uh, I don't think any parent or school will, would allow that to happen. Uh, but um uh, when when I got that email there, I was in the middle of Florida camp and I was having a really good Florida camp at the time. And I was like, OK, like um, like I'm going to race in a Canada jersey this year. And it was in the, it was in a smaller international regatta. It was uh, like Canamax America's Cup. It was Canada, U.S., uh, Mexico, Cuba and Guatemala. So it was like a, it was like a five country international event. And I ended up doing quite well there. I ended up uh, winning three three medals. Uh, Mexico definitely had the uh, the home uh, home water advantage. I, uh, <laughs> I I I still remember being neck and neck with um, 
the canoe from the Mexican team. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a really strong finisher. The last 250 is always the best part of my race. And I don't know if it was the 45 degree weather or um, just like the atmosphere in, in Mexico or, but he was able to triple his stroke rate when I hit a wall. It was almost like he knew I was going to hit it. And uh, basically when we, uh, we were neck and neck, maybe milliseconds apart going to the last 200, he ended up getting six seconds on me oh, wow. um, in, the, in the last 200. But uh, luckily there was enough distance between uh, me and third that the uh, second was, um, uh, was attainable for me. And it was, it was awesome standing on a podium there, but I just kind of got addicted to that feeling. I was like, Oh, I want to do this more. I want to do this on a bigger stage. I want to uh, be back on this podium again. I want to, uh, I want, I want to do more because um, that one little taste of um, wearing a Canada jersey and like being away, like on a, a Canada team, like um, like the team atmosphere of our sport. Like we we talked a bit about hockey and lacrosse, and I know you were a high level hockey player, and you you know what the it's like being a part of a team and all that stuff. But being a, even in an individual sport, like once that team is named and uh, you go on a competition together, like you you guys really have uh, an opportunity to bond. Like not just like the the men's canoe guys on the team but like also like all four uh four or five disciplines uh between like men's kayak women's kayak women's canoe um like on the world stage uh para as well um you, you really get to, to know the people that uh, you're traveling with and make uh, great relationships with them but uh, I just kind of been uh, addicted to that and then like I knew after I came home from uh, racing for Canada I had the junior world trials coming up and unfortunately I just missed the the team on that they they took four and I was uh, I was guy number five um uh around uh, around that list there but uh, I still had like plenty plenty of goals like uh, this this past year um and like my goal was to go to worlds whether it's junior worlds or u23 worlds that was my goal for the last like five years and uh, my, my first world championships was this past summer and it happened to be a, a senior world championships, which is the biggest one. That's crazy. It's, it's funny how time, time flies, right? Going from 15 to being here, here now. Yeah. And I mean, I was like for, for those like junior and under 23 world teams, like I was on the bubble for so many years of those teams. Like um, if they were taking like four or five guys, like too many times I was guy, like either like, like six or seven in like 2019, like I knew I was within that uh, that top two and top three, but they ended up not taking an under 23 world's team that year. They ended up taking no guys. And then uh, like 2021 last year, like I had my best national results to date, but I ended up missing the under 23 world's team uh, on a tiebreaker. So I was, I was that close again. So it was, it was a lot of like disappointments and just, just barely like missing out on, on teams like being so close and like even though like my times and my results were progressing at a senior level like year after year like like any sport there was ups and downs like uh like last year like uh olympic trials were were pretty rough for me uh it was my first uh set of olympic trials in burnaby we were it was uh the longest i've been away from home we were away for like four months that kind of oh, wow. it was it was a whole other level of pressure that i wasn't used to but uh, I ended up bouncing back uh, that summer and had had a good nationals, but I still missed out on uh, like making like the I, I I I achieved my goals in terms of results and times and what I want, but I ended up missing out on every team. So it was 
it was a lot of perspective and reflection. Like I, I talked a lot to my coach, John Pike, um, who was my longtime club coach before he was the national team coach. Um, I, it was, it was, I was so disappointed, but it was, uh, he really helped me realize that I wasn't disappointed in myself because I was very proud of how I raced and uh, how I bounced back from early in the year and how I trained up until that point. I was just disappointed over the things I couldn't control. And um, like I raced well, I improved my time. I improved my national results and my uh, percentage of time between the winners. Uh, I did everything I could have asked of myself and just um, like sometimes the, the results don't play the way or the selection doesn't play the way you want it to. And that, uh, that was really important for me to, uh, to bounce back for the, for motivation to train for the following season, uh, which, uh, which led me to, uh, what was a very successful, uh, 2022 season. Yeah. If you don't mind. Okay. So it seemed from what you're saying, the last, the, like, not this year, but last year, it's been, a, it's just been a lot of learning, a big learning curve with some of the ups and downs, um, you know, gaining experience, but I'm just going to like go back on some of the stuff you were saying. Uh, one, and I've heard it from a lot of, especially the, the, the athletes who have got a taste of the Olympics is that, uh, that addiction, you know, you just want more, you just want more. Um, it's funny. My, I was telling my, the sis, my sister told me a story when she was at the Olympics, got the closing ceremonies and her teammate taps her on the shoulder. She's like, see Cletus, yeah, you can't just do one. Once you do that one, you're like, you got the itch. So I see, I, I see what you're saying with, you know, getting that itch at the international competition, being on the podium. Uh, so I, uh, I feel, I feel what you're saying with um, that addiction uh, part and just wanting to be part of, you know, getting better um, and putting up uh, more results and medals. So I like, I like that you said that uh, as well as I kind of want <clears throat> to allude back to, I know we're kind of going back and forth with team sports and individual sports, and you're kind of touched on it with regards to, controllables and uncontrollables uh, as well as you were saying like you took a lot of your team sport the mentality and stuff you learn into the individual sport um and with regards to like being a team sport the stuff you can control and not control based on having you know 15 other guys 20 other guys on your team is a lot different than you know you out there by yourself or one other guy um, kind of tell me a little bit about like the mental side of stuff on like the differences, the similarities, what you took from team bringing into the individual sport with regards to the, the mindset and um, learning how to control things that normally you probably couldn't control in one sport versus the other. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of just said it right there, like, um, like whether you're playing in a team sport or an individual sport, there is things you can control and there's things that you can't control. And a lot of times uh, in, in both sides, uh, it's, it's very similar to stress out about things you can't control. Um, whether you're on a team and uh, you can't control um, how um, sometimes whether it's the like how your teammates are going to play, how, how your team is at the time, you can't control what the other team uh, does. Sometimes you um, can't control things uh, like the referees or, or the weather or yeah. all, all that stuff. Um, being able to have that kind of same mindset, whether you're in an individual sport or a team sport, um, like even though it's, uh, it's different in the way 
um, your your responsibility and role uh, you have to be like if you if you decide to shut down in in a team sport you might have 15 other guys the the help uh, pick you up where if you're uh, alone in your boat in a singles race and you shut down you're, you're kind of on isolation island there yeah um but uh, at, at the end of the day um uh, there's only so much you can control and that's that's what you need to to worry about um, like when, uh, I go back to that 2021 nationals race, uh, where I had a really good race, but, um, other people had really good, uh, races too. And I, I couldn't control, uh, the selection criteria that year. I couldn't control what, uh, people were doing, uh, uh, on the other lanes on either side of me. Um, and just like in a team sport environment where, um, I could have the best game of my life, but team could also lose five, one or five, two as well yeah. too. Yeah. Um, uh, you you, you kind of have to just uh, like almost like turn off like the the results part of your brain at that time when you're kind of evaluating um, uh, what you've done and what you can improve upon. Because uh, the first uh, like reaction after um, either it's a, a race you just lost or like a game you just lost, whether it's individual or team, um, if 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 you lost a game or if you you got beat by three or four other people your first thing is like oh what did I do wrong like um like oh did I did I screw up or did I mess up somewhere did I not prepare right um but um like that if if you can take the result out of the equation and you look at like okay like um I did everything I could in my race I executed my race plan well um I had a time that was uh, above my standard and uh, or like um, I, I had a I had a really good uh, individual game like unfortunately the team part didn't go my way but uh, I take uh, what I learned from both those and I try and improve upon it next time so that uh, next time I have a really good race and next time I have uh, my best game I can either help my team win or I can get the result that I want. Like what you're saying just taking ownership um, what you can control in, in yourself and saying that and you kind of alluded to like pressure. So, you know, team versus individual pressure, especially with canoeing, like things are happening seconds, whereas um, the team sport, hockey, lacrosse, like you can, you can take a shift and take a, a minute, a second or two to, you know, regain your focus where canoeing, you know, you go, you go. And that's, that's the way it is. So talk to me about the difference between pressure versus, um, team versus uh, individual canoeing on some of the stuff that you've experienced and uh, what you've kind of learned from both. Because it seems like you're still learning and through the canoe and uh, how things are kind of going with regards to moving up the ranks as well. So yeah, talk to me a little bit about pressure and, and how, you hand, how do you handle pressure? Yeah, um, so uh, I, I, I like to handle pressure by trying to not let it really get to me. Um, uh, whether it's um, like... Uh, when I was getting ready for for my world's race, when um, it was the biggest race of my career, when I'm getting ready for the world's final, um, it was it was really really hard to kind of. I remember sitting at the Pure and Simple in Dartmouth Crossing, eating breakfast by myself, thinking like, "Oh my goodness, like I had the opportunity to do this, but like, uh, oh my goodness, what if I embarrass myself in front of all these people too?" um like sometimes I even get that one intrusive unrealistic thought like oh my god what happens if I tip in this race yeah, um which yeah. I have done before at a uh, an, at a national team trials be uh, event before where I've, I've 
I fell in the water in, in the middle of a race, which um, that was a, a feeling that I hope I don't have to experience uh, again or at least too many more times in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the, the ability to uh, like focus in, in the two different sports, when, when we're talking about a hockey or a lacrosse game, um, the, the level of focus is a lot different when it's a four-minute or less race compared to a 60-minute game. Um, uh, especially in some of those uh, shorter distance uh, paddling races, the uh, C2500, um, uh, doubles 500, uh, just recently became the Olympic event again, uh, where it was the doubles thousand uh, up until that point. Um, your, your race, you're looking at uh, like a minute 40 seconds for your race. Um, like you, you, you can't take a, a second off the focus because the difference between uh, first place and seventh place could be a second. That's crazy. And yeah, it's um, it's 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 quite crazy how um, how how tight it can be. But um, I I always like to like stay relaxed. Um, I, I I I maintain my confidence uh, whether it's uh, prior to a a team game or prior to a race that uh, I think about what I did leading up to it. Um, like I know like an hour before a race or even like the morning before a race, like there's nothing more that I can do that can magically make myself better. Um, all I got to do is, uh, be confident in the training that I put into this point, uh, be confident that, uh, all the kilometers, all those hours of practice, uh, everything has done its job and that it will uh, lead to me having, uh, my best uh, performance at that time and at that day. So is there, like you said, if something seeps in that's not necessarily what you want to seep in, is there, is there things you're doing, whether it's, you know, self-talk going back to, you know, some of the stuff you, like you're just alluded to there. And, yeah, know. it's, 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 it's almost like, uh, just, you, you gotta, gotta forget it quickly. Um, like, um, anytime, like an intrusive thought about, uh, cause you're obviously excited about the possibility of, uh, everything going right. Um, at, at the same time, when you have all those emotions of excitement, um, that, that same, uh, oh, what if, uh, everything goes wrong and everything goes bad also can, can seep in there too, but you don't, you have to regulate both of them. Uh, you can't, uh, be in there full of, uh, uh my hockey co- coaches used to say piss and vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, you, you can't be overly excited because, uh, you can also lose your focus of being, uh, just as much overly excited as you can being, uh, worried and nervous. So um, I, I've really learned to try and uh, keep a level head uh, throughout myself, like not let myself get uh, too excited beforehand and uh, obviously not let myself get too nervous beforehand. And uh, are, there things, are there things you do, you know, uh, visualization, breathing, uh, listen to music to maintain balance? Um, yeah, like I, I, I always uh, like to focus on like doing a bit of breath work. Like um, I used to be the person that used to be like the full beats headphones in, like moving around in my warm up kind of bit. Uh, but I always found that always put like so much pressure on on myself, like trying to make like a I don't know like a, a pre Rocky Rocky fight uh, montage before before every race. But I, I've kind of learned now that. Um, 
uh, if I just, uh, like I can, I can focus, I spend like five minutes, um, whether before the race, whether it's an hour before the race, two hours, um, I take my time to focus on what my race, uh, uh I want my race to look like. Um, uh, I think about everything that I need to do to prepare, uh, prepare for it. But then after that five or 10 minutes is up, uh, then I don't think about it again. Then I either, I go and I, I either, I, sometimes I even like to socialize before the race, like talk to coaches, talk to other athletes, like just almost kind of like take my mind off of it. Just like keep my mind busy on other things. Um, just, just so I don't, um, uh, th think think more outside that window than I need to that uh, can either leave me being uh, so ex so overly excited like oh yes I can do this like let's go let's get going like uh, in team sports uh, you let that kind of go a bit because you, you got 15 other guys yeah. that are like that and you're like let's go let's say like the the raw raw kind of team sports uh, aspect of it but um, uh, when when I'm out on the water um, I know that if I uh, if I can keep myself calm I can keep myself level-headed then um, I can keep my uh, I can get my performance to where I need it to be yeah and that's I, I, it comes up more often you think and I mean for the younger generation I think regulating that excitement is almost just as uh, regulating the excitement at the same time will also uh, mitigate the the nerves yeah, and people sometimes don't understand, you know, these are the top athletes in the world, you know, why, why did he gas out, you know, was it he didn't train hard enough? It's like, no, these guys have been doing, you guys eat, sleep, and train. It's not he wasn't, he wasn't conditioned enough, it was controlling those, that, those energy levels, right? Maybe, like you said, he was too excited, uh, and he just burnt out that last 200 meters, wherever it may be, or like you said, the other side, you're just too nervous and you couldn't maintain and you burn out um it's not because and, and at the at the at like the junior level and at like the even like the like the provincial and the national level uh there's there's so much that can go on in your head that can affect your race uh, i find like especially when i was younger um uh, it was just as easy to like get myself super excited and pull like a magical race out of my ass as it was to get an all up in my own head and implode and uh, I had a lot of those races uh, when when I was younger and then when I was uh, coming up through the ranks. Uh, but when when you're at the top level, um, everybody is at their A game always. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you you don't really rarely you rarely see somebody like at the top level having a like oh like I absolutely blew it and bombed it like that doesn't that doesn't happen uh, near as much at the at the top level as as it is in the younger ranks because everybody has been training so so much at that point they like we're not just talking about like hundreds of kilometers and hours we're we're talking about years and years and um, like like hundreds of thousands of kilometers under their belt at that point like every everybody knows what they're doing yeah and I like that. I like that you say that because I, I know playing hockey and I'm sure you heard it too that, you know, you're 13, 14 years old and, you know, you think you're going to the NHL, your parents think you're going to the NHL, but there's a whole nother level when you get to, you know, semi-pro, pro, and like you said, the hours people put in and, you know, this is international. You're competing about, you're competing against all the best people in the world. Yeah. Like, so, there, like there's no such thing as a bad NHL player. And a lot of people don't realize that. And it's really easy for the uh, the fantasy hockey armchair GMs 
when you got a you got a guy on your team and he uh, he throws up a minus three and no points, you'd be like, oh, this this guy sucks. Blah blah blah. blah, yeah. blah. <laughs> it, it, it's so easy to look at that from yeah. a fan perspective, and I think everybody is is guilty of do, of doing that, especially the diehard fans of their team. Mm-hmm. But when you're at the top of the level, whether it's a like at the Olympic Games or World Championships, uh, professional sports, NHL, whatever it is, no, there's no such thing as a, a bad player at that level because. Uh, a bad player wouldn't have got a sniff anywhere close to it. So every everybody is is elite at that level, yeah. and and that's something that I really think that a lot of people uh, don't recognize uh, either until they're in it or they really get to truly experience it. Oh, I, I totally totally agree with you there on that hundred percent. Um, and then going back, so we're talking about the mindset stuff. So because your races are so quick, I was asked like with sports like yours that when you're road or paddling, um, are you, are you inside your head? Are you, do you have a cadence going on? Are you saying, you know, I need to pick it up. Are you talking to yourself in your head while you're going, or is it just like you go? Yeah. So, um, uh, like a, a big part of our sport is that, especially in the shorter, like in the thousand meter distances, uh, you have more time to kind of think and you can, you can evaluate how the race is going a bit more, um, uh, and you can also kind of get like a gauge on things and make some minor adjustments there. Um, but uh, for me, it's very important to have my 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 race plan, um, like my uh, like what I want to do in the race dialed in my head uh, so that it's natural, that I don't need yeah. to think about it. Um, because especially in a, a doubles 500 race, uh, there's no real time to think about it. There's no, like, you, you, you can't look around and see where everybody else is and make some crazy adjustment in the middle of the race to try and, uh, make yourself better. Like, um, you, you've executed, you spent so much time executing a race plan and talking to your coaches and training and preparing uh, a race plan to make you your best. Your, your race, if you execute your race plan, uh, perfectly that's the best you're going to be, you're going to be. um at, at the highest level like the the miracle performances where you you think that oh like I, I i did this in the middle of the race and it changed that um that's incredibly hard to do like your your best race is going to come from the race plan that you spent all the time and the hours um preparing and working on not the uh not the the mid-play audible like you see in uh in football um yeah, yeah. so uh, for me, like when I'm racing, um, uh, it's it's the executing my my race plan is natural. Like uh, we, uh, me and my partner, we uh, we did the thousand meter race at Worlds, and uh, we had a uh, a very structured race plan. And I give uh, lot, lots of credit to uh, my partner Craig Spence. Um, he's uh, he's a few years older than me. He's he's been a veteran in the sport. He's been uh, top canoeer in the country before. He's been top five at World Cups at the individual level. He's uh, won uh, medals internationally um, in C2 as well. And um, we had a like a regimented race plan that we knew um, exactly where on the course that we wanted to do our start till and where we wanted to transition to. And we knew exactly uh, where where we knew that we had to hold our travel speed and pick it up. Um, but it wasn't us thinking like, oh, we got to go do this now. It was just, it was, it was natural um, in the middle of a race. It was just, this is, it, it just, it just happens because you've, you've prepared so much for, for it to happen. So like I'm big into the flow state um, where, you know, your mind, your body just kind of takes over. And that's kind of what you're, I think, alluding to with having that preparation, that plan. 
And when it's go time, basically pedal to the metal, let your mind body take over. And when the race is done, then you kind of almost come back to reality. It seems to be like, okay, what just happened? Did we execute it? You know, does, is that what it kind of feels like to you? Like after a race, are you like, almost yeah, like exactly. I mean, I think my world championship final is like the biggest, um, it, it's, it's, it was really the biggest moment where I really felt that where I completely zoned out of what was going on around me. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do like racing on a home lake that I've raced, um, at like hundreds of times before and, um, like not, not putting the pressure on myself to, uh, for, for a certain result, but putting the pressure on, let's just go out and execute the race plan that we have spent months trying to perfect and what we worked on. And 800 meters of that thousand meter race went on before I even knew what was going on around me. Um, we were right in the lane, right next to the, uh, the Chinese crew that were uh, silver medal uh, at the Olympic Games uh, before that. And the German crew were one over from them that were, um, they won both the World Cups that we raced in and uh, Sebastian Brendel was in his boat. Sebastian Brendel, the best way to describe him is uh, he's the Wayne Gretzky of canoeing or the Sidney Crosby, depending on what era you're, you're looking at. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's the greatest of all time. Um, him and uh, my national team coach, Andreas Dittmer, the, the two uh, latest German canoe C1 guys who've won uh, three, three Olympic gold medals each. Like they, they got more world championship medals than you can, uh, you can fit in a room. Uh, be between the two of them uh, but um, like we we couldn't change our race plan we, we we can't change our race plan around them they have their own race plan that's going to make them the best we got to do our race plan that makes us the best and I just I almost had tunnel vision right down the lane like you could kind of see the Chinese crew and their their peripheral view like we knew we were close with them and we knew if we were within touch of them we were we were in a good position like we we didn't bomb anything at that point uh, we knew that we were we out ahead because we knew that a start was very important to us and that was something that uh was uh, an area of weakness uh for our crew um uh earlier in the year that we spent a lot of time working on but when i uh got to about 150 meters left i had no clue where position you were in the race i didn't know if we were we were i, I knew the top two crews we knew the chinese and the germans were going to be one and two like uh, as much as I would like to say that we uh, we could have gave them uh, a run for their money, uh, they're 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 at a whole other level than uh, the rest of the world is, and that's why they're um, Olympic medalists and uh, world champions and uh, some of the best to ever do it. But um, when I when I looked over and we were we were in third place, the uh, the Polish crew started to started to fade off after hitting the Germans' wash. Um, we, uh, we had a good lead on Brazil and Hungary. I was like, holy shit, are we actually going to do this? Are we actually going to get a world medal? Like, um, and then when, when we crossed that line, it was like, there was no real thoughts. It was just like an explosion of emotions. Like we were just like, holy crap. Like, um, at, at this time last year, I couldn't even imagine just paddling on the world stage like this, like, um, like competing in, in an A final, let alone 
crossing the line and get a medal. But um, like that, that whole first 800 of the race, it was just the race plan was natural. Like what we were doing was um, like uh, going through the motions isn't the uh, the right word because that almost kind of sounds like you're, you're dogging it. But um, just like everything was, was so fluid and so smooth that um, by the time you got to the grind time in the last part of the race, it was like, um, uh, I, I, like it just everything just felt so just calm and, and relaxed throughout that whole race where in, in a world final when you, you got crazy amount of emotions before the race like I talked about that nervous breakfast that I had before yeah. um that that all went, went away because it was like this this is the easy part I'm doing my job that's that's the easy part I know how to do that you know and it's it's incredible like just listening to it I'm like getting I'm getting <laughs> getting dog and feel your intensity and emotion and and I'm just going to sum up what you're kind of saying here is when we enter this flow state and you kind of mentioned it earlier on in the talk about um, setting aside outcome, you know, a lot of times we get fixated on the outcome, you know, the gold medal, um, scoring this many goals that sometimes it becomes, it, it wears and tears on us where in these races you're talking about, uh, it feels like you guys just let go of everything, you know, let our let our minds bodies do what we do best and like you said you're enjoying yourself this is what you do and you you're having fun so i think because a lot of the like a lot of the time we talked we've talked a lot about controllables a lot of the time the outcome is is not a controllable thing um like you, you obviously have a lot of control over what you can do to get the outcome you want but sometimes the final outcome uh, might not be in your control. And um, if, you can, uh, if you can set a goal outside of the outcome that uh, says like, if we, if, we, if, if we set a goal on what we can control and if we do that, then setting a goal on something that might, we might not have full control over, um, it, uh, it, it doesn't feel like that we're, we're missing out on all the goals that we're doing. Oh, I, 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 to I totally agree. And um, it's, it's almost backwards sometimes. And I think that's why it's so challenging for athletes to get their head wrapped around, especially like we're talking about before, the younger athletes that are making their way up at this level, because, you know, all you want to do is play in the NHL, win Olympic gold. Um, but it's a journey, you know, especially the Olympics for you now. You got a, your four-year, three-year journey, uh, prepping your body, your mind, um, competing day in and day out, um, you know, you can't get too fixated on uh, all the outcomes. And like you're kind of talking about small rewards, small goals, and eventually, you know, when that big day comes or when that race comes, you're just, you're doing what you, you do. And there shouldn't be, um, hopefully there's not too much, uh, you know, negative energy or thoughts coming to your head and you just put your head down and, and you go like you're talking about. So yeah. I love, I love the stuff you're saying. Would be, would be lying if they said they don't have the ultimate goal. Like every athlete has an ultimate goal, whether it's to make the NHL, stand on the top of the podium at the Olympics. Like everybody has that ultimate goal that they, that, that, that's, that's the, that's the reason behind their motivation because um, your, your, your long-term motivation uh, doesn't just come from setting little goals. Um, it comes for the chase of the ultimate goal. Um, but it's just as important to have uh, like smaller short-term goals 
uh, along the way because they're it's it's all very important parts of the journey uh, the journey and um, you, you gotta you gotta have thing, uh, things along the way that uh, that you're working for and that that you can be be proud of because uh, in in the case of the Olympics it, it, it happens every four years um, you, you gotta have you gotta have goals for each year leading up to that you gotta have training goals for each month leading up to that and um, in, in a sport where you're, you're training every single day, like it's important for me to set daily goals as well, too. I a hundred percent. And I like how you broke it, broke it down there. Um, I mean, the Olympics is such a special journey, like you said, four years, uh, and the process it takes to get there, especially with every sport having different qualification processes, uh, along the way. But I'm just happy that, you know, I got, got you on here and um, really no, had a good look. This has been a lot of fun. So I like the perspective that we got to kind of go bounce back between team sport versus an individual sport and very different, but very similar at the same, same time. And I hope people who are listening, whether it's a person who's an individual sport or a team sport, can grasp um, some of the concepts, strategies, mindset that uh, you're talking about here and uh, apply it to, to their sport uh, is, I think that's the message we're trying to send here. Um, yeah, of course. And I mean, like uh, for me in my case, like um, I've obviously am a lot more at a, an elite level in my individual sport than I, than I ever was with my, my team sports. Like um, uh, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm at an elite level for paddling, but I knew I was nowhere, nowhere close to that in, in hockey. I think I had three junior B goals total of my, my career. So I, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't any budding star in, in hockey by any means. And uh, I, uh, I always thought that I was a, uh, a, like a pretty, pretty solid lacrosse player, but I know that the, that next level was, uh, was a whole, whole other, whole other level that, uh I, uh, that my lacrosse game, uh, didn't have, but, um, uh, I still took, uh, parts from every, every sport that I did to, uh, uh, not just make me into the athlete that I am, but also the person. I love it. I think that kind of some, sums sums it all up here for us today and kind of coming full circle. And I'm very excited, uh, follow you, you know, follow, following you on social media. I, like I'm loving your posts and, the uh, fact you're an up-and-comer and putting up some good results. I just can't wait uh, for the next months, years to come, and I'm definitely going to keep a keen eye on you and um, obviously learning a little bit about the canoeing background uh, has inspired me to um, stay tuned to, to see your sport as well, um, learning about, a little bit about the mindset and how the race goes down. So, man, I appreciate you kind of sharing some of your wisdom. I know you're still a young guy, but hey, you got, you got lots, to, lots to share uh, with the upcoming uh, generation and as well as those old, old guys out there, you know, show them how it's done. <laughs> ah, thank you very much. I, I appreciate it lots. Yeah, like it's, 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 it's I'm kind of at the point now where um, uh, I've seen like a lot of kids that I've coached uh, over the years that I'm even racing crew boats with some of them at nationals. And that um, like, I remember like the older guys that uh, I looked up to uh, when I was like 16, 17, like even my uh, C2 partner, Craig Spence, um, he was a guy that I was looking up to when I was 18, 
19 years old when I was uh, like as a junior and like my first year senior, I was like, oh, like I, I want to be that guy. And then now I'm starting to realize I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm one of the older guys now. So <laughs> it's uh, it, it really uh, it almost kind of flips a flips, flips a switch really quick where you, you almost go from being like one of the one of the youngest guys on the team year after year. And it goes like, oh, my goodness, uh, I'm, I'm one of the. Uh, one of the older guys now, like uh, we got the, a couple new juniors uh, on the team right now, and they're uh, they're like 18 years old, and I'm like, wow, like that's a uh, like you guys are young, and I was just like, <laughs> it's it's not that I look at them and think that they're so young because once they're a part of the team, it's just like, oh yeah, like they're they're one of the guys, or we all kind of seem like they're the same age, but it's just like, whoa, okay, I'm I'm 24 years old, I'm. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, fresh out of junior anymore. So I've been. Uh, I've been six years uh, as a senior now. So it's. Uh, and I've been uh, like uh, carded on the the national team for three years now. So it's just like okay, like it's. Uh, I'm. I'm definitely definitely not uh, definitely not getting any younger. But I definitely don't feel like I'm getting any older. <laughs> That's a good thing. It always comes comes uh, full circle. And like I said, man, time time flies, especially when you're chasing dreams to it's go to the Olympics having fun. it's uh I mean when you're when you enjoy what you're doing like uh, every uh, there, there's obviously some days and some training weeks where you feel like oh my god this is this is kind of hell uh this this is this week exactly here has been one of those weeks where I'm having to do practice an hour and a half early every single day I'm having to do workouts late at night to grind it out because I got a pretty heavy uh work schedule with with some events and stuff some really fun events working with like kids and introducing them in sports as a part of of, like the RBC Olympians program and stuff but um at the same time it's uh it's a pretty heavy grind trying to get through training and all that stuff but when uh when I look at uh, everything I do um from like a macro perspective I'm like yeah you know what think things are pretty good and I, I love what I do yeah, that's and staying level-headed I think that's the, the name of the game humble and, and being consistent in what you do um you can't go wrong when you're having fun and enjoying yourself especially Something, something magical to say when you're on the water too. I know I like the ice, but being on the water, there's just something about it. I think that. Um, oh yeah, I mean, like uh, you, 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 you can look at it both ways. You can look at being up at six forty-five in the morning and be like, oh shoot, it's so early, it's dark out, it's just like it's kind of cold. But in in the same the same like breath, the same like same string of thoughts, you can think like oh my goodness, it's so calm and peaceful and nice out here and quiet and I'm being productive so early. So you, 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 I, I even think those thoughts in, in, in the same five seconds um, in, a, in a morning. So you, um, and, and you, you think for a reason. So if you, if I, uh, I always said, if, uh, I, I even say this to the, the kids I coach and everything, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then, then what's the point really? Like, um, so yeah, like it's uh, you if you're if you're not having fun at this, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. So um, uh, as long as I'm still having fun fun at this, and uh, I uh, I'm still able to uh, enjoy doing what I'm doing, I'll do it as long as I can. That's awesome, and I hope you have uh, I hope you have a couple of good more solid years um, going through the process uh, of making this Olympic team. Because like I said, I'm excited to uh, follow continue to follow your journey. Uh, and I just want to like, again, once again, say thanks for coming on. Cause I know it's a grind out there and for you to put a couple, an hour or so aside to chat with me, I greatly appreciate oh, it. No, so no, thanks for coming course. on board. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it when you reached out. Like, I mean, I, uh, 
um like i i saw a couple of your episodes they're uh they're they're awesome it's, it's good stuff and i uh no uh, anytime uh always always happy to to, to come on and uh, and chat and uh, especially with uh, someone as awesome as you are